Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' most precious name, amen, 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 in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. You thank God for all God is doing. Uh, we are gradually taking many steps in accordance with the law and uh, trying to do our best to kind of um, do as the church gradually um, opens. Um, but it's just mainly is uh, at the moment the services are going to be pre-booked so basically you might not be able to see those who are watching online. Um, so basically we know who's coming and how many people are coming before the time. But we thank God for what God is doing. Um, especially when we look at the agenda of God and what God is doing from one generation to another. Especially in these times, it is at times important that we begin after the conversation with Christian discipline for the purpose of godliness. I think in the in when we come to the understanding of yeah, we are part of a group of great people that has come before us. And you know, the Bible says that we have a cloud of witnesses. Now we're not trying to look at you know our role just to fit how, how we see that God fits us in the in the in the um, in a puzzle that is building towards a time. And I want you to understand that with God, things, things move in a progressive way. So in as much as people will look at the days of Elijah and say, oh, that man is great. God is actually saying, even Elijah, where he is now, will be looking back at your, our generation. I say these people have so much more that they should be able to do within their generation. We start off by reading Exodus chapter 6, verse Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, where God was talking to, to Moses. He said, He said, He said, I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my name is but my but my name but by my name Jehovah was not made known to them. So God was saying, guess what? I was appearing to them, but I want you to understand that there is also I am revealing more about myself from one generation to another. So what he's saying is that Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, yes, they saw God. They knew him. But God was saying that I was not, I did not reveal everything to them. Because as the generations begin to come, the level of what I, the level of investment I make in each generation is greater than before. So when we look at that, we say, ah, you know, oh, you know, someone was saying to me when I said, I said, so I was talking to someone about a Muslim day and things. And they said, I know, you know, in the days of our father, that is not, you know, these days, those things are not possible. 
It is because we don't really understand how. Even Jesus said the glory, the, he, said, he said you shall do greater things because God reveals. But the other side of that coin, quickly, is that Jesus said to whom more is, much is given, much will be expected. And we'll see it in Psalm 100 verse 5. He said, the Bible says, for God is good and his mercy is everlasting. He said, his truth endures all generations. So that means that every generation has access to the truth of God. The truth of God stands up to our, our generation. That means also that it is playing out through generations. It's playing out through generations. We're going somewhere with this. So we read up, we have a couple of scriptures. We just I just wanted to point out, you know, it's step by step, build that ground for us as we come into the fullness of what God is calling us into. John chapter 8, verse 56. Jesus was telling people, he said, Your father Abraham saw my day. And he said, he said, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. The thought, so that means that Abraham was not, but God had, Abraham, God was basically talking to Abraham and said, see, you need to understand that what I am doing does not only end with your generation. There are generations that are to come and beneficiaries of this. John chapter 17, verse 20, he says, you, you know, he said, no, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. Basically, his disciples. But I also pray for those who will believe through their messages. Who are those? We. So Jesus was saying, while I was on earth, I remembered you in my prayers. Why? Because I know that we are dealing from one generation to another. Each generation is meant to achieve something. Each generation, God is like bringing out a picture and he's looking at it from one, the picture is being revealed, is being painted clearer and clearer. Like for example, when Jesus was alive, people struggled to understand what he was talking about. But when you read it now, you understand what he was saying. Because the generation of those that were there when Jesus was, they had little because those things would be revealed from one generation to another. Those things would be revealed from one generation to another. So we have a role to play. We have a role to play. First Chronicles chapter 12, you know. And this is one where I am pointing more to you. He says the sons of Issachar, the men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. The sons of Issachar, they understood the time. So they understood the place of time by which they are standing and the role of which they should be playing. There are times also when you are reading the Bible, it is important that we read the Bible through the lens of Jesus. You don't interpret the Bible outside the lens of Jesus. For example, you can say that the Bible says that 
we should kill lambs and rams and things like that. Yes, the Bible talks about that. But if you read through the lens of Jesus, you would see what God was talking about there. You would so why, why why is that? Because when you are reading from one generation to so the Bible should be interpreted through the lens of Christ. Whatever you read in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, should be interpreted when you read it. You or else, if you read it and you go ahead on your own, you would on that basis of that, without necessarily trying to understand it from the perspective of Jesus. You know, people talk about, oh, um, like God will say that those who are lep lepers should not come into the tabernacle. And things until they are clean, they are washed, and things like that. People will go, oh, God is discriminating. Things. No, it was a view. But when you see through the lens of Jesus, you will understand that it is, it wasn't necessarily, it was just placing a picture for what the blood of Christ will be able to cleanse you away. That was why when, God, I was, when you, I hope I'm getting to, uh, when you get, oh, I'm trying to, okay, Old Testament, the Bible says that, don't think too much about what I'm going to say. <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible says that when a woman is unclean, that is in our period, she cannot touch the priest. Because if she touches the priest, the priest becomes unholy. But the woman with the issue of blood turned Jesus, touched Jesus, and Jesus did not become unclean. Although I have some theology that said that Jesus became unclean. But God help them. But what I'm trying to say is that rather than her making the woman or the woman making him unclean. She made the woman clean. Yeah. Why? Because now, if you look at it through the lens of Jesus, what he was saying then was that that priesthood is not perfect. So that was why God was saying, you know, no matter, we need to preserve this one because we are just managing it until the real one comes. So when you read it through the lens of Jesus, there will be so many things you would, it doesn't because through the lens of Jesus, it's a different volume. So that's why at times when you are reading the Bible, you should know where you are reading. Which point, which divide of the Bible are you reading? Every part of scripture is valid. Every doctrine of scripture is perfect. If you read in line with the story of one person that they are all talking about, does this make sense? God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when you read down to Psalm, um, um, so, so when, when we go to, so what I'm trying to say is that they knew the times and the seasons. Now, one of the things that when we go from Genesis, as we begin to, you know, one of my, okay, he said, the beginning of every truth in Scripture starts from Genesis. And the finishing of every truth is in Revelation. Whatever is still going, that has not been stopped by Christ or whatever it is, you would see the perfection of that truth in, 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 in Revelation. So the scripture is just one. 
So you would see here, you know, you see that when Adam sinned, God told him to leave the the the, uh, the garden of Eden, of Eden, and they and what they lost was the connection with God on a regular basis. What they lost was the the Bible. When the Bible said Adam died, it wasn't because Adam died physically. He died spiritually. He was disconnected from the source of life. And of course, when you begin to see that, you see that the later on, as things around Adam, Sam will say that he says, he says, you are make, you are giving him glory and honor, and you have put everything under his feet. So when that glory left, everything that was under his feet gradually began to come up. So you see Adam that slept beside, or that told the lion, shut up, sit down there. Now, you hear not. Because something has left. Adam would, Adam would, the Bible says when Adam called all the animals, he named them, every one of them, and the name stood. Why? Because there was, he was connected to something. You will see that the Bible, the Bible says there were four rivers in, in, uh, in, in the garden. Now, how was he moving from one place to another? Because, I'm not saying scriptures, I'm just giving an example. I can refer that to when the half of covenant was going to pass through the river Jordan. So, probably, Adam would get to the river, and the river would split and he walk past. Because he was in Adam. Now Adam is the boat <laughs> to go from to go from one place to another. Why? Because once that connection was missed. So, and more importantly, we are talking about the fellowship with with the Father. So, what happened since then? God has been trying to bring back that form of fellowship. Trying to, because God knows that the way to fix humanity is to be able to establish that fellowship back. And the heart of man has always been drawing close to know that there is something missing in there. Exodus chapter 3. You know, um, and God said, God was talking to Moses, he said, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that is, I have sent you. When you have brought the people of the people out of Egypt, you will sorry, you will worship God at this temple. He said, and Moses said to and, and Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they say to them uh, and say to them, God, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? He says. And God said to me, tell them, I, I, I am who I am. This is what you have to say to them, to, to the people of Israel. I am the God that has sent you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, your Lord, your, the God of your fathers, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is a name, this, this is my name forever. It shall be, sorry, the name you shall call me, from one generation to another. What was God saying? Please tell, this is the whole agenda. Bring them from Egypt so that we can connect back again. 
He said, you will bring them to this mountain. That's what verse 13, uh, verse 12 was saying. Let's go back to what verse 12. That's what verse 12 was saying. Verse 12 was saying, he's saying that. He said, you will bring them. You will, you will bring, you will worship God on this mountain. What is this mountain? The place where I am connecting with you. So when Israel was going, we read that briefly in that Psalm 114 that we read. When Israel was going, God was in their midst. The whole agenda was that God resides in the midst of his people. He wants to connect back to them. Psalm 42 verse 1 says that, it says that as the deer pants for the stream of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Psalm 82 goes on and explains it even 74, sorry. He says, he says, My soul yearns and faints for the court of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even as the sparrow has found a home and and a swallow and, and a swallow a nest for herself, that she may have her young ones. The place, a place near to your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Said, My soul yearns for you, even faints for the court of my Lord. So there is something in the heart of a man you just want to, there is, there is a peace that you would find when you eventually connect back to that particular source. Ecclesiastes, which is the Bible, chapter 3, verse 11, he said, God has made everything beautiful in his time. He said, he has also set eternity in the heart, or in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Let me read this scripture for you in the amplified version. He said, you have made everything beautiful in its time. You have also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. Explanation. A divinely implanted sense of purpose, of a, of a purpose walking through the ages, which nothing under the sun, but only God can satisfy. So inside the heart of men, no matter which religion, what that is why everybody is trying to connect to something. Because God, there is a hole in the heart of men that is desiring for something greater. Something, that is why even some people would, would decide to know. I'm okay with my career. I'm just going to know my career is. I saw that. What are they looking for? Something of to validate something, just to reach out to something. That's why. That's why the Bible says. Bible says. It says. It says a divinely implanted sense of purpose. A divinely implanted sense of purpose. So God has always known that there is something. God is trying to reach down to men. 
And that is why he created a place called the tabernacle where he would come down. But because of the issues of the barrier, he had to, there, was, there was a curtain that covers within them and within the, where God will reside. Or at least they could sense him. Exodus chapter 30, verse 6 says, it says, it says, it says, you will put an altar in front of the in front of the curtain that shields the ark of covenant of God before the atonement, sorry, before the atonement cover that's over the tablets of the covenant law, where I will meet with you. So there was a place in that place where God was say, okay, you know, I know you want to see me. We, we, you, you cannot survive. There's a panting in your heart that's just trying to reach out. And he's saying that, he said, you know, but put a curtain there. Why? Because, and we'll talk about that, because of the falling and the iniquity of men. Because of our wrong. That's why he said, when you sin, you should, okay, I was talking to somebody yesterday, I think it's quite important that we remember point at it. <clears throat> the, the love of God does not cancel his judgment. God is a just God. His love nor his mercy cancels his judgment. What the love of God does and what his mercy does is that he fulfills his judgment. I'll give you an example. Assuming I run a company and Sister Fini borrowed a thousand pounds and she could not afford to pay it back. When we say God's mercy cancels out um, what's it called? Judgment. Is that as if he will come and tell me, I cannot pay that one thousand pounds and I will say don't worry, we can go. That's what we, that is what we, that's what people perceive as God's mercy. But what God's mercy is, is this. She said, I cannot afford to pay $1,000. I would say, okay. And I'll go into my account, pick £1,000 and pay it into the company account to cancel it. So, uh, the 1,000 pounds she hold costs me something. The blood of Christ for your forgiveness and, and forgiveness is a cost. It is not God, he doesn't say, that because when we say that God just, you know, his message just, no, God can say yes, but you need to realize that what he says okay to actually cost him something to pay for it. 
Why? Because he has to appear to be a just God. And I think that when Christians understand that, that the blood of Jesus actually costs something. Because at times we, we talk as if, oh, oh, God is just merciful to me. Yeah, yes, he is merciful to you. But actually, see, and this is where I think one of the challenges at times. Now, please, I'm not, let's just use the scenario that we are, we are talking about. If Antifinia has no understanding or claim that I had to pay that money for my account, do you know there is a possibility she would do it again? Just talk to the pastor. We would, would just, we just tell you, no, 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 don't worry. And but if she understands that, ah, that even if she did it again. You would see that you will have to make this guy pay again. That's why the Bible was saying, he said, when you keep on sinning, what you are doing, you are nailing Christ to the cross again. Why? Because it actually costs something. So then you would understand why, why when God will ask them to come, when the priest will come, a, a, an animal has to be killed. When, when, when uh, Adam I'm just because of our time. When in the Garden of Eden, when Adam, when Adam, um, when God said, "When you eat of these fruits, you shall die," what it means is that the life of Adam would go. But in order to keep Adam alive. You can, only, you can only replace what is lost with something similar. So he had to take the life of a animal. That's why when Adam was given a skin to cover, it was that God did not find leaf to cover Adam. Some, you see some uh, photos that they put leaves around. The Bible says he took a animal skin. Why? Because life had to be replaced. But because that life was not was not equal to the life of Adam, but it was just something that could sustain Adam until when and when God had to replace you had to, you had to replace a life that's equal. So that means that if Adam was created in the image of God and he was perfect before he fell. The only thing that can be that can suit it properly is something created in the image of God and is perfect. So when the devil tricked Adam, he understood that the only value that can see you cannot buy, you cannot at least if you are going to, to so I cannot buy a phone for ten thousand pounds. No, sorry, a thousand pounds. And you now say, take 50 pounds. At least the minimum you can do is to give me a thousand pounds. Because that is the value of that product. If you give me 50, 50, 50, 50 pounds, what I can do for you is to rent it for you. As I use it, Spending the time, you can get the money. Does this make sense to us? 
God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So, so, but, so, but for God to be able to sustain, for God to be able for, for Aaron to be able to come into the tabernacle of God and go into the holies of holies, they will always have to bring blood and when they come on that year. They can only do it once a year. And let's go on, please, to Leviticus chapter 16. It says, and this is the heart of God trying to say, you know, let us create a way by which Adam can, sorry, by which I can, I can connect back to, to these people. And the Bible says that the, the Lord said to, said to Moses, tell Aaron and his brother that they should not come whenever they choose into the holy place behind the curtain. And, and the atonement cover or, um, of the atonement cover on the heart, else they will die. He said, I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. So God is saying that, see, that is where I, when I want to connect with you, I myself, I would appear there. Why was it? It was, but. Adam was thinking, sorry, Adam was just coming in each time they wanted to. God said, please tell him, this thing is important. You can't just stroll in anytime you want to. And you see the heart of God. Yes, trying to go around, finding a way to around the, the, the rules. And saying, okay, let's do it this way. You come once a year, but make sure you bring blood. So that at least we can connect. Why? Because remember, God made a gave a judgment to Satan. So the first thing I was say, excuse me, sir, what's going on here? <laughs> You've condemned me. Look at this evil. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So, when we, sorry, I'm sorry I'm taking attention to lay some foundations. When we go to John chapter, okay, before we go there, now this is, that part is the part where you have the heart of covenant and this signifies like the, the, the light of God. So what he was saying, and this is where the curtain is. So they cannot just be coming in and out like that. They have to be, it's a place you can only come once a year when you are invited. So you see, let's go please. And this is how, how, how it looks like. Just like, you know, the, 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 the curtains. We'll talk about this curtain. Because these curtains are very thick. The emerald one from all um, scholars have kind of read some of their articles and things like that. These curtains, can you guess how many people would have to pull this curtain? How heavy, and the, especially the last one that they built, the one Herod, the Herod Temple. You have the 150 people to pull it to the side. 150 people to pull it to that side. Go and go, you see it. 300 people, men, had to pull that. That 
how how heavy it was. So can you imagine if you come up, God forbid, and that clothes fall on you, you know? You, you be able to see God directly. <laughs> there will be no need for no need for cutting. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? One fifty people have to pull one side to another. Then you will be able to realize why somebody shouted when that caught him. Caught him to ah! <laughs> it is not. It wasn't something. It wasn't like a you're cutting on the road and say you know you know anything can can split that. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are we're getting to this gradually as we move on. So let's go on to John, John chapter 4. Ah, Jesus, well, this is what, that's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you may also, that has been the desire of God, to come back to that place where you can finally connect with him. Jesus said, it is good that I go. Because I need to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and take you with me. Because there has to be a preparation. And we'll see that as, as, as we go on. Let's go to John 17. And Jesus, this is Jesus' prayer to, to God. He said, he said that all of them may be one. Father, just as, just as you are one in me, and I in you. He said that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he's, Jesus said, you know, I understand what you want to do, God. You just want to draw them close. You want, you want to break that barrier. You want to break that barrier. He said, he said when this happens, then people, when people see them, Remember again when we talked about the connection with Adam? Once that connection went, every other thing was arguing with Adam. Nobody, they could not identify God in him. But God was saying, Jesus was saying, I said, when he said that they may also be one in us, so that when the world sees them, they would know that you are sent. So that is the mind of God. To draw his people back. Second Corinthians. He said, May, this is the one we read. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So what, this is how they departed the church. So it's still talking about God wants to connect. He wants to reach out. He's trying to, to keep this connection with us. So what is our role? Now remember that we talked about there was this big cotton and the only way Aaron could come into that place was if he had a pot of blood. Because 
is either that blood, that blood which signifies a life, or else his own life will go. Because each time he each time he steps that barrier, there will always be a demand to say, wait a minute, the only way he can cross from here to here is if there is an accurate payment for what he lost. That's why I had to explain to us, God's mercy does not cancel his judgment. So when you see when Aaron will normally go, they will tie something. So should the case, maybe, they, maybe the blood does not see him. Ah. It doesn't mean that God, but it is just this justice system of God. It doesn't mean he's not loving. He is. Can you imagine now? Sorry, please. I hope I know you know. You have. I don't know what the context is. I don't know what the story. I don't know what whatever it is. I'm just using that as an example. Prince Andrew's issue. You think his mom doesn't love him? She loves him dearly. But the justice system, because the throne he's sitting on, that process has to play. That is why they have to take him away from public events. I would imagine she will be in tears in her heart. But the throne he's sitting on demands justice. And that's how God is. That was why he had Jesus was, the Bible says Jesus was on the cross and God had to turn his back because he couldn't handle it. Why? Because he was king. He is king. And he needs to, justice needs to be done. So for Adam to be able to, for Aaron to be able to come in, he had to carry a blood. And the Bible says, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, he said the blood of goats and bulls and ashes sprinkled on, on those ceremonial unclean and unclean sanctifies them so that they can be cleaned outwardly. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through eternal, or through the eternal spirit, offered himself without unblemish and cleanse your conscience from the works of um, uh, from dead works, that you may be able to serve or connect with God. What was the blood doing? The blood was only cleaning the outward. But the problem is that God sees the spirit. So you can be outwardly clean, but your spirit still remains the same. What is the benefit of cleaning this outward body? When we grow old by his grace and you, we die, that body will go away 
and what will arise? The dirty spirit will arise because the blood was only cleaning the outward. And that's why you see so much in religions, in religions, the emphasis alone is because they know that the only thing that can clean the internal one is something that has to be, it's only something that is created in a perfect spirit. That, that's why the Bible says, by through the eternal spirit offered himself. So each day they were just, so that is why when you, not, but when you have, okay, you wash your hand, you wash your hair, you wash your face, you do whatever it is that you are doing, you are only washing the outer body. It may work. But the problem is that when that body that you are washing, when it goes to rest, and the spirit arises, it arises as proper... <laughs> so, but the problem is that God was not only concerned about dealing with issues here. He was saying, no, Yes, that blood is washing the outer, outer part. But what's going to happen to the inner, inner side? Because when a man dies, what stands before God is, is his spirit. So we read on. So but let's go, go forward. Um, uh, no, next slide. Yeah, he says, Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 9, 7 to 10. He said, but now, but, but, but only the high priest entered the inner room and, and that's only once a year and never without blood which he offered himself for the he offered for himself and the sins of people that, that had committed in, that, the people, that the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is now showing, is now showing this that the way into the most holy place has not yet been, been, been disclosed. As long as the first tabernacle is still functioning. Please notice. Please let, let's go back. That the Holy Spirit is showing us that the way. The way they would get, they would be able to go through. That way is still not, is still not perfect. It has not been revealed. So when Moses, so when, when um, Aaron was going into the holy place, the Bible is saying that part is still blocked. Because there has to be a proper way by which you can go from that part. So the only way it was coming initially was by the blood. But God was saying, no, there has to be a proper way, this action way. The Bible says it had not yet been revealed. Let's read on this. It says, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices offered were not able to clear the conscience of worshippers. It wasn't that they were not looking for God. But their conscience was not able to be. He said they only. They, he said they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washing. External 
regulations applied until the time of the new order. Until the time of the new order. Let's go to Hebrews 10. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by, by the new and living way, please, I'm pointing at that for a, for a reason, the new and the living way opened for us through the curtain that this blood, this that is body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So the Bible is saying that what happened was that this curtain was opened up and a way, a way was created for us. So you can now have the grace to connect to God directly. No wonder Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. What he said, nobody comes into the Father. So that means that when they were going into the tabernacle, when God was, the presence of God came down, Jesus said, nobody will be able to access that place except they come through my way. So when he said, I am the way, what he's saying is that I have that part, that between you, the cutting between you and God. I am now that way. Does this make sense to us? This was quite important that, that in the early churches, in the, early, in, the, in the first set of Christians, Acts chapter 9, so, sorry, let's go. So he's saying, I am now that way that goes through. So Jesus is saying, sorry, I know where. This part, this is me. I am the way that would, you will be able to now walk into that place. And you would see it in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says, and they asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if they found anyone who belonged to the way, because they knew that these people were what the, the early church knew was that this was the way to connect. So they were so this truth was so ingrained inside of them. Let's read on please. Acts 19, verse 9. I'm just pointing, he said, some people became obstinate and refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Let's go to Acts, let's move on, please. 23, 1923. He says, about that time, there, was that, there arose a great disturbance about the way. That's why you see the capital letter. About the way. Because the way was, it was, that was what they were called. Yes, they called them Christians at some places, but people knew them as the way. 
Because they were saying, I know, see, sir, that cutting that you are putting there, it doesn't lead you anywhere. Let's go on last, the last part of our scripture. He says, however, I admitted that I worshipped God of my ancestors as, as a follower of the way which they call a sect. So, they were like a group, but they were called the way. Now, we've discussed entering the tabernacle, entering the holies of holies. Jesus has now become the way. But something is needed. A priest. What is the job of a priest? To go through that cutting on behalf of the people. And the Bible says this one is, and that is what he does. This is the priest. He comes true with this blood. And Jesus has done that. But we also have the responsibility to come through that way with the blood. Let's see please, sorry. And the Bible says, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession that you may declare the praise of him who had called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What does a holy nation mean? That means there are other nations. But you, now, you are now adopted into this place. So that you can declare his praise, the praise of him who has called you from darkness to light. So you have, you have come to this class of priesthood. So you are to are standing like Aaron is standing. But the path you have to, you are walking through is Jesus. And the way God sees it. Let's go to um, let's go to Numbers. Numbers eight. He said, he says, among all the Israelites, I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons to do the work of the tent meeting on behalf of Israel and make atonement for them, so that no plague will strike the people of Israel when when they go near to the sanctuary. So God is saying, now what I need now is to raise up priests who will stand on behalf of their generation and who would who will be the one that will lead them into my presence. Every one of them is looking for, for me because I have placed eternity in their hearts. But it is your responsibility as a priest because I have given you as a gift. 
you know, my dad used to say something. When we, he pays our school fees, we say, ah, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I think so. Then we will say, I can't hear what you're saying. Don't thank you. Say, so what we say thank you? When it comes, I will know you are saying thank you. What is that about? Your results. Your result will say either you are thankful or you are not. So there's no point saying thank you, daddy. And you come here, you <laughs> you are the last in your class. Then, <laughs> then obviously, you are not thankful. So when God said, I have given it to them as a gift, the question is that the gift that God has given you, the gift of priesthood, do you, how do you treat it? That's honor to be able to lead people before God. To be able to connect them to their creator. The honor that God has placed upon your life is said so that a plague will not come upon them. The honor that God has placed upon your life as a Christian to pray over your workplace, to pray over your friends, to pray over your family. How are you using that gift? I don't know how you feel. If you buy a very expensive gift for somebody, please note that when God said, among all, to all the Israelites, I have given the Levites. So that means that God is saying, I saw other people, but I gave you that opportunity. Can you imagine you saw somebody needed 10 pounds on the road. And you walked past them. And you saw a friend. I gave that friend 10 pounds. Because I know you might need it. Then that friend now decides to leave it in your car. As you were going on, maybe you dropped them and you are getting that 10 pounds. How would you feel? What you feel, you first of all think about the other people you left before you found them. And that's how God deals with it. When you think that what you have is exclusive to you, you may think it's exclusive to you, but God sees that I, there were other thousands of people that need that same opportunity. But I thought, if I had given it to you, you'd be able to impact their lives. The time, the time you have to pray to God for behalf of other people, there are so many people who really want to know Jesus, but it is a problem for them. I was, I was reading a book, I said it aloud, I was reading a book. And the pastor was saying that in that church, he went to that church. The church had quite, I don't know, maybe about, I would imagine, maybe about 1,500 people or so in a village. They had no Bible. There was no Bible at all. The pastor had no Bible, but they can't afford it. So the only time they read Bible 
was when the pastor goes to, when there's a crusade somewhere, and some people invite them, and maybe they give them some money, or they can walk down to the town. He listens to the sermon. The sermon he listens to there, and the Bible passage, he will write it down. Bring it back to the church. That's what they will preach for the next three, four months. When they say, sir, what is the next verse? Ah, we have to go back out to go and get the next verse and bring it. In this generation, yet you have Christians that have loads of Bibles, different versions, and they hardly read. If you were God, who can see this Christian that has stacks of Bible, but hardly reads? And you have about 100 Christians that are only surviving. Or do you know that there are places in this world now that the way they get Bibles to them is that they, 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 they tear a part of it and they roll it, put it in between bread, and they send it across. Have you had a Bible smuggling before? So in this same generation, and you think, ah, but why can't they not download it in their house? So you, because they're living in the West. There are some countries where what you download is controlled by the government. Yet you see Christians be like, oh, you know, I don't even like all of this. There's too much, you know. You, you just, and God is like, because this is, a, this is a challenge I feel God has. As he's seeing you and me, he's seeing somebody else. Who has, who's only praying for the opportunity that you have to connect to worship. That's why God, God said, please tell them that this is a gift to them. This is a gift to them. And that is how God feels as we drop this tray close. Let's go up here. And that's what the priest will do. He's standing on behalf of his nation. A priest is raising his hand in prayers on behalf of people who don't have the same access to God. Do you know there are some children now that their parents, their grandparents has never been to a church before in this same country. Oh, you think that church is that easy to access? Some people find it difficult. They don't even know what it is. You can only access something. When you go on Google, you can only look for something that you, you know exists. Let's go on this. I'll try this last and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 2. He said, All this is from God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ? And God now has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So, I don't know how to best put this. But if your ministry 
is not reconciling people to God. That was not what? I always say God did not give me ministry. That was not what God gave to me. Because the only ministry that God gives is the one that reconciles people to God. Any ministry or gift that antagonizes, that turns people's back against Jesus, against holiness, was not given to by God. If a ministry is saying, a ministry or ministry gives whatever it is, saying, ah, you know, don't worry. You have the grace to fornicate. You have such power, and I can see it functioning in you. That ministry <laughs> did not come from Jesus. The only way you can identify if a ministry and, and, and you know, if a ministry, a gift, a talent, leading worship, praising people is is a something given from God, it will be reconciling them directly to God. Now it could be in diverse ways. It could be just a little shift of people towards God. Maybe your job may just be to nudge them away from ungodliness and just glide them gradually, gradually until they come to that line. But every ministry given from God, no matter what it is, it is so that people can be reconciled back to God. If my ministry, for example, is to sweep the church clean it. I am basically creating that atmosphere so that when people are sitting and listening, they can connect directly to God. Does that make sense? So I'm not talking about, um, you know, if that's what I'm doing, the general one that you will probably see. No, maybe, maybe your whole is just welcoming people in. You are making sure that, you know, there is no distraction for them so that they can be connected they can receive totally from God. Those who do children ministry, it is for so that the parents can concentrate and receive from God. And those kids also will be able to connect to their maker. maker you, are, you are reconciling them to the one who made them. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1, next up, some scriptures. It says, every high priest is selected from among the people. You understand that, you know, uh, what is my qualification? You must be a human being. <laughs> That's what it is. You must be a human being. You must be able to connect. If you are a priest that cannot connect to the people that, is in, that God has created influence to you, then you are not a priest over there. Because the priest has to be picked from among them. So if you are a, maybe God has placed you as a pastor or whatever it is, you have not promoted yourself above people. You have eventually catapulted yourself away from God's ministry. You are now on your own. Because that priest, the qualification that he must be appointed from among the people. Now, because you are appointed from among them does not mean that you know, okay, you know, all I just need to do is just to, I don't need to think about people's um, eternal things that pertain. He said, he said, and 
is appointed to represent people in the matters related to God. So if you say, ah, I am appointed to, you know, to be a group leader, maybe um, you know, captain of a band, and the only thing you do is to follow them to party. You are among them. But you are not relating anything to them pertaining to the things of God. So, for example, as a pastor, you should be able to come down, play, play ball with people, enjoy it as if you don't connect with them. But in the middle of the night, you should be able to stand before God doing the second half of your job. This is the first half. In fact, it doesn't mean it's not a job. You just need to be among them. But he said, he is now appointed. So that means that your appointment letter is appointed to be able to represent them. Well, if they can't pray for themselves, that is their own. See, here, everybody is just, you know, we're just, I am, yes, I am the team lead, but am I their father? The Bible says you are appointed to represent them. In your workplace, you are, you are friends to everybody. You listen to them. You, 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 you relate to them. You understand them. You go out with them. But at the close of the day, with those issues that people have raised, God is expecting you to come and represent them before him. So God is looking for a priest because the way is open. Matthew chapter 5 as we close it. Matthew chapter 27, sorry. Verse 50. It says, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the cutting that 100 and that 300 people asked to pull the curtain of the temple was torn into two from the top to the bottom. The head shook and the mountain split. Why? Because the door is finally open. That makes sense. The, the doors are finally, is finally open. But what is missing is the priest who's supposed to represent people in the matters relating to God concerning them. That is our role. We are suffering. Christianity does not exclude you from human beings. So I don't say go and live in the cave or go and pass over my father by him. I kind of think it's laziness. It's easy to do one and not the other. But if it is proper Christianity, there are two sides to your ministry as a priest. You must be among the people and you must relate to them. Represent them in the matter of God. 
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.